Welcome to Crossing Phase, the podcast where a Muslim and a Christian talk religion and politics. My name is Matt Hawkins. I am joined by my friend, once again, John Pinna, and he is joining us from upstate New York. Welcome, John. How are you doing, sir? It's good to hear your voice. I, 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 think, I think I sound a little melancholy today. But You're I'm, a little I'm melancholy. On... We'll, we'll ramp you up, I promise. I, I, I feel it. I think we're going to ramp you up and get you excited. You might be angry excited, but you'll be excited. <laughs> For those listeners just finding us, uh, you might be listening on CrossingPhase.com, but we are also available through Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Overcast, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and TuneIn, so you can use any of those outlets to find us and listen more frequently and make sure you download our program. We'd appreciate it. John, we talked about headlines. We wanted to do kind of a headline Edition, so this might be unlike previous shows. We we're kind of skipping our rock across a number of different headlines that we are curious about and interested about, uh, but maybe don't care too much to devote an entire program to. Uh, what first captured your eye in our stack of stuff? Well, I figure you're going to hammer me on the uh, on the picture on the on the RNS, the Religion News Service website. Yeah, I you can know? I can go there. I think I was gentle on you for the uh, 9/11 edition. So you were pretty, uh, it was pretty, yeah, you're pretty, pretty mellow on me on that. I don't know. You were, you were softball in it. I, I just, you know, that's okay. I mean, I, like I said, I, I, I think I was one of those, uh, I was one of those very vulnerable conversations where I was, yeah, uh, I, and you, yeah. you, you definitely were very Christian and in your, in your approach to me. So I appreciate the soft touch. Well, well, it was, it was a somber moment uh, for our nation and uh, a difficult conversation. So I felt, I, I, like I said, I wanted to give you a lot of runway on that conversation. So uh, for those of you just listening, uh, if you missed the last episode, John uh, shared his reflections on 9-11 as both a New Yorker and a Muslim and uh, talked about his uh, some of the experiences that his American Muslim family, uh, extended family and close family experienced following 9-11. So I think it was an important conversation and some interesting stories. But today, yeah, I wanted to ask John about a picture that is the top of today's um, Monday's religion news stack of pictures. And uh, they are including a picture from Kabul, Afghanistan on the date of Ashura from uh, last week. We talked a little bit of Ashura. John, do you want to kind of briefly condense what Maharam is and uh, what Ashura is uh, for people who didn't maybe miss the last couple episodes. Well, Maharam commemorates the Battle of Karbala, uh, which is the um, it's a, 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 a big uh, Shia or Shia holiday that, uh, that that marks the the death of Hussein, who's the grandson of the Prophet Muhammad. So the 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 event Maharam, the idea is that it uh, commemorates the battle and the tragedy of the multiple deaths that happened in the battle. But the for those who don't know the Shia, Shia, and we've talked about this a little bit before, but Shia followed the bloodline to the end of days, the bloodline of the descendants of the Prophet, uh, and. Uh, whereas the Sunni Sunni faith um, uh, sect of Islam or sects of Islam don't follow the bloodline, right. so the the Muharram is important to both uh, Sunni and Shia, but it has holds a lot more weight with the Shia community, and the idea of of uh, the death of Imam Hussein, um, Hazrat Hussein, uh, is is a a, a tragic moment in time because it was the grandson of the prophet the the, the individual who was supposed to take the reins yeah. and sort of usher in a, a new era of islam and and unify all of, of all of islam as opposed to this the great split between sunni and shia moving even farther apart yeah. um 10th maharam is known as ashura and there's no there's no shortage of ashura jokes you know I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure this is going to be a good year. You know oh, that type no. of thing. And uh, sure is the is the New Year, the Islamic New Year. So it's a it's a, a time of heavy prayer. Um, but uh, the, and, and mourning. And, we discussed it's you know it's not a happy holiday. Well, uh, the Shia are like the Catholics of of Islam. They are, they love their saints. Um, I'm Shia, so uh, they love their saints and, and they love martyrdom. So uh, and and I mean that in the most respectful way. So as a Hussein is uh, a a um, oh, cherished and tragic figure in 
in Shia Islam, uh, the, 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 his death, uh, on, under, under the hands of the Umayyad kingdom, uh, uh, was uh, terrible. They surrounded the whole, the, 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 the prophet's family and starved them in the desert for a day, uh, and, and then started murdering everybody. Uh, and so the, there's usually depends on what sect you are. Some follow the ten days of Muharram, some do mm-hmm. twelve. Um, you know, my in-laws go sixty days Muharram, and that's fasting and mourning wow. for sixty days. Yeah, uh, wearing black. Uh, so, um, so there's this. It depends on what you're doing and what what sect you come from. But the picture is uh, about matam, yeah. and so. Which is self-flagellation, and we know that there are many sects of many religions that do this, yeah. um, and uh, and so this is generally matam is happens at most I would say most Shia mosques okay. uh, where they tap their chest over their heart in a very light way, but they do it in rhythm, uh-huh. and while there's there's prayer being cited, uh, and in in sort of solidarity and also. As a way to, um, as a gesture of of faith and an honor of of Hazrat Hussein, uh, but some uh, go even farther. Uh, and the picture you're seeing is uh, with a chain and some blades and yeah. bloody backs. Um, yeah. and, and as you well know, that you know that the, there's you know there's some famous there's some movies about the Templars doing this and some other Christian sects doing this sort of thing and. Uh, and so this is this is a little bit of extreme, yeah. Um, a so little extreme. So when yeah. I, when I saw it, I uh, I was curious, like where that particular practice for this comes from. Is it is it something that's mainstream Shia um, practice? Is it more cultural? Um, I was curious to the to the origins. Uh, you know, is it is it come from texts? The, the largest, yeah, the largest Shia population in the largest Shia group is are the Twelvers. Uh, they follow the, to the what's called the Twelfth Imam or the Twelfth Descendant mm-hmm. of, of Muhammad, peace be upon him and his family, and they uh, have this tradition that comes out of uh, the survivors of Muharram and the idea that this day should be commemorated. So Fatima, the Daughter of of Muhammad uh, said that every t- every every year or or on a routine basis uh, we should have a majlis we should have a gathering as 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 a, a religious community and we should commemorate what what happened and remember uh, and so there's there's a little poetic license on that. Um, like yeah. I said, you're dealing with a community that is very passionate about martyrdom and very passionate yeah. about saints and, yeah. and very passionate about all these things. So the idea of getting as close to you can as I think much like like your you guys do, you know, you you try to mimic the prophet, right? You're trying to mimic Jesus uh, in some manner, shape or form. Uh, and there's a lot that try to go through the struggles i think so when i just was up at this place called inwood with my buddy it's a really pretty place in upstate new york it's where like it's uh the, the ursula nuns hang out and they have the stations of the cross and the sta- uh-huh. and he was like what what was that and i go well it's like sort of like a, a pantheon of all the different moments that jesus went through when he was before he was getting crucified it's really it's kind of like a pantheon of, of terror and I was like, so I, don't, I don't know what you guys think of it, but I was like, I, I went, I walk, and he was like, well, let's go walk the path. I said, okay, we'll walk it, but it's not pretty. So, so right. we walk it. So, you know, Jesus carrying the cross, he falls with the cross, the, 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 the what the cat of nine tails, and, and I, he's like, what is this all about? I go, I, I, don't, I don't really know. I don't, I don't really know. He's like, I think they're just honoring the the events and leading up to the crucifixion, and I feel that people. Have they, have they have different prayer at each station, so but I, I, I it seems very negative to me. Yeah. So I don't know. Um. But uh. But it's in 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 Shiism. This is something that is very uh, they're very passionate about. So the tradition comes from out of this idea that out of the battle, um, there should be some commemoration, and people take that idea of of honoring the 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 life and death of. The grandson of, of Muhammad, Muhammad is is a 
you got you got to use matam, uh, do matam. And I think that the gesture is I get yelled at every time I go to the I go to the mosque during um, uh, during maharam because mm-hmm. I don't do it. Yeah. Um, my argument is, you know, if if I I would say. You know, you're you're a married man, aren't you, Matthew? Yes. You're married, right? Yes, I am. So you're doing matam every day. Oh, okay, so that's, that's, the, that's the views you're... expressed about marriage <laughs> not <laughs> equally reflected by both hosts. <laughs> so I mean, I'm just anyway, quick to say. So, so that, that's the deal. I mean, I I had my own personal struggle. I was trying to get to the tea, to the chai, uh-huh. and there was so there's this thing called Kashmiri chai, which is like pink tea. Uh-huh. And uh, it is made all day long. You have to have it like a nani, like a, a like a grandmother, sp- like spend time putting the, the the tea together with all kinds of spices, and it's just delicious. Yeah. And they wouldn't let anybody to the tea. <laughs> and uh, of course, so that was my personal that, struggle. That was okay. Your personal so, struggle was not you know, being able to make it to the tea. So I tried to get the tea to these two guys that were beef in front of it. And I just told him, I was like, listen, move out of the way. You know, I, I don't know what you guys are doing. You know, I have a little bit of Urdu. I'm like, up, kids, say, hey, what are you guys, what do you got? What's up? What's happening? How are you guys doing? And they were like, no, the tea's for everybody after Montham. And I go, let me just tell you what's going to happen now. <laughs> I'm going to get myself a cup of tea. And that is what it is. So uh, short, they're like, you, why don't you? You, short, you short-circuited the thing. Yeah. You know, I get myself into trouble because, first of all, anybody who's ever had Kashmiri chai. Uh-huh. If you if, understands what will understand this conversation, anybody that hasn't had it, it's not going to get. They're like, "What do you mean? It's just tea." I'm like, mm, eh. "It's this beautiful, beautiful pink tea that's only made right by like an older Pakistani lady who knows how to do it, uh-huh. you know." And it's 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 just something beautiful, I, I, one of the most beautiful things on the planet. And uh, and so I just wanted a cup. I wanted I wanted to get a little cup and. While everybody's doing, everybody's mothering out. Let me just get out of here. Let me just get a cup of tea, a little chai, sit, relax, you know. And uh, and so I had this, this conversation with these guys, and they were chatting back and forth with me about it. And I go, oh, "This is what's going to happen. I'm going to make myself a cup of tea, and you guys are going to let it happen." Because <laughs> I, I, I'll be honest with you, I, I don't have the patience for this. So, um, and eventually we made friends and everything else. But it was funny that they were guarding the tea, you know. Uh, of course, they're I just, had a bunch of someone assigned to do that. John, they're you know, well, they're trying to be faithful me. to their ritual. Yeah, I had a bunch of kids with me, and I was I was like, you know, these kids, you know, think about the children. Even though I, they were just a conveyance for me to get my cup mm-hmm. of tea, so it was. But, but it was, it's, you know, I'm usually the guy who hangs out with the kids and reads the books and does all this stuff because some of this stuff is 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 a little bit too heavy for me. Uh-huh. Um, you know, as a smiley, I don't, I don't, I don't prescribe to some of the stuff. And there's only one J.K., only one Jamat Kona, which is where smileys um, pray in in the D.C. area. So, um, but this picture is. You know, I, I mean, it's not a, it's not an unfair characterization of what goes on. It's quite yeah. common with the twelver community. There's always a couple of zealots out there doing this. Uh-huh. Um, I, I, you know, I, I'm not coordinated enough to handle something like yeah. this. So I'm pretty sure I would cut my nose off or, or hurt somebody around me. Uh-huh. Uh, and there's and also there's I, also a picture of a, another picture at the bottom of I think an, an Indian Hindu guy that was selling the knives to Muslims. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is like, it's, it's a big thing and it, yeah. they're sort of, it's, it's an honored mm-hmm. event. So people look at it. Some people look at it as hardcore. Some people look at it as very faithful. I, I have a tendency, like you would do whichever you, whatever you want. You want to murder yeah. yourself for your religion. Great. I can't, I'm not going to weigh in on what, on what that is. I mean, I've, I've weighed in on religious freedom issues because of how my faith, you know, I, I, I'm doing Matam right now. You know what I mean? I, I'm, I'm hoping I don't slip into a conversion, you know, to evangelicalism. You know, I, so, you know, I don't know. You're fielding pestering questions from a, from an evangelical that you're suffering. So, uh, but the thing is, yeah, it's, it actually, it's a really neat pick that, that the one that's in the Indian Muslim sells the blaze. God, you know, these guys, you know, they're, they're, I, I, this is what they live for all year. And, it's, you know, look at it like absolving sins. Look at it as, you know, doing this high honor. You know, you have the scars on the back. You're healing. You're, they, 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 they go through this sort of euphoric moment where they don't feel pain anymore. I mean, you know, I don't maybe that's what Jesus did with the, the, the cross, the stations of the cross. They say they was hit with the cat of nine tails. 
and then he got yeah. through the whole roads and everything else. Maybe he was he was on a you know a persecution yeah. high. I don't know, but that's what these guys are into. And uh, I mean, I hats off to them. I think it's part of their faith, and I'm not going to devalue that uh, at all. It's just not for me. Mm-hmm. So, um, do you guys do? You, have you ever done that? Have you ever thrown yourself down the stairs? Or no. No, no, not intentionally, and uh, no, not not for the sake of uh, for the sake of worship. No. What's the worst? What's the what, what would have you done any sort of self flagellation for worship? Anything was there? What's uh, considered not self? Give me, give me some. Not self flagellation. No. Um, uh, I think you're right that uh, Christians do uh, take time from time to time in, in varying ways to uh, acknowledge the suffering. Um, that Christ experienced, we believe, on our behalf. And so the most powerful uh, moment that I I recalled was we had a Good Friday service. So it's the Friday before Easter Sunday. Um, so the, reflecting on the day that and evening that, that Christ died on the cross. Um, and for those, those Good Friday services tend to be very... Um, quiet and subdued sometimes just by candlelight. Uh, it's mm. a very prayerful service um, as opposed to like an Easter Sunday morning service where um, everything is, is more is more happy and uh, celebrating the resurrection. We on uh, Good Friday tend to be more somber, more reflective of um, of Christ's experience and, uh, and our own sin. Um, it's called a good Friday because, uh, even though as dark and as evil as the moment was, uh, we believe it was, it was necessary, um, for, um, providential. It was providential. Yeah. Number one. And, uh, it was necessary, um, for, uh, our relationship with God to be healed. And so we, uh, Good Friday services tend to not be all that long in in America uh, in American Protestant services. Uh, typically, communion communion is is pretty pretty common, and uh, the most and different churches do it differently. Um, sometimes it's just uh, prayer. Sometimes it's a short message. Sometimes it's a full sermon. Um, sometimes it's some singing with, mixed with prayer in and out, and. Uh, one of the most powerful um, ones that that I participated in. This was in a church in West Virginia that uh, where I grew up. Uh, they had a full sized uh, cross, replica cross, in the center of the church, in the center, in the front of the stage. Uh, they had moved. I think they had moved the podium, and uh, people who wanted to, uh, we were offered little metal rustic nails uh upon our entrance and we were allowed to uh at a certain point in the service um people kind of filed up one by one and uh if they wanted to took that nail and nailed it physically into the wood cross turned them into jesus nails well what you're saying yeah (laughs) john's reflecting (laughs) on episode our our, like our second episode of this uh this podcast uh but yeah it turned them in by your your commemorative jesus nails yeah at www.crossyface.com you know uh because that quote that was that was that was a good segue we had the you know the whole idea that if if the Jesus nails exist, we could resurrect Jesus with the DNA. With the, the DNA and, and the cloning apparatus, yeah. Uh, so anyway, that was a really powerful um, moment, and I think uh, maybe one of the most powerful moments of Good Friday service that I've been a part of um, because we were, you know, all – it was – Kind of an it was an act of not so much self flagellation but recognizing uh, our own role and our own sin in in putting Christ on the cross and so that was a pretty uh, powerful moment closest thing in Protestant life that I've seen. Uh, you, you see, you have these in, like sort of wholesome, thoughtful stories. You're thinking about this, and I'm thinking the only time that I ever saw like Christian flagellation was was this. Um, I was talking to this Catholic girl, and she had told me she was wearing like a, some kind of chain on her leg and uh, to, to feel, you know, to, cause it was, a, it was, you know, self-flagellation. She goes, she wears it to remind herself of the, the struggle of Jesus. And I go, oh, okay. Uh-huh. I go, well, let's see it. And she pulled up her 
skirt and showed me her the chain on her thigh. Oh. And it was really erotic. Like it was like I'm just gonna say right now, like oh I can't like this is a family program. Well I don't that's not I mean I don't is that bad? No. I don't know if that's bad, but you know, I it was mm. it was it was it was it was something, you know? I, and she had like this devout faith, but then she showed me her leg. And it huh. was it, it was it was uh, it was weird. It was fifty percent devoutness and Christian Christian and all this other stuff. And the other side of it was this, this pretty dark so, yeah so i i have that image in my mind and i'm going she seemed really devout but she definitely i don't is that was that a, that maybe i mean maybe it's okay to just show it but it was it was it was pretty hot wow so i <laughs> that's edited out now so <laughs> well you know, we, you know we you know i think that that sounds like it's whatever expression that is uh you know, certainly from my camp and tribe would be that that is unnecessary. Uh, Christ took the burden of suffering off of us. Uh, and that's the glory of the gospel is that we don't have to uh, self-flagellate or, or otherwise suffer for the sake of uh, relating to Christ um, or, well, or but achieving I, I think it's the same, some sort of status. The, and, yeah, it's the same in Islam. I think that the idea of of having to, I think my Sunni brothers and sisters would definitely agree on this one, is that the prophets have their mission. They do what they do, yeah. and that ha- and whatever happened, happened. Boom. To to reinvigorate that occurrence is sort of like a opt in situation. But in the same respect, once that that whatever whatever it didn't matter whether it's you know Moses or this one or Musa, it doesn't matter. Whatever happened, happened. We don't need to go down the path of trying to sacrifice our son, you know, like Abraham and, and like Abraham and trying to, yeah. you know, and, and wait for God to say, no, we don't have to go down that path right. you know? because we're going to have our own struggles and trials and everything else. That's along the lines of, you know, providence, as you guys would say, um, and and then go down that road. But I think that it's and even in the even in the Jewish tradition and the old the our like the Hebrew scriptures, we call the the Old Testament, uh, the sacrifices were, the blood sacrifices were always substitutionary. They were always animals, right? Right. So there was not. Yeah. And not we do that a, too in Islam. We do Qurbani. Yeah. We, we, you know, we, we, we sacrifice the, the lamb and then give them, disperse the meat, but it's a ritualistic sacrifice during Ramadan and, and through other holidays. Yeah. yeah. And I, and I do see uh, in scripture, uh, some moments of uh, self-humiliation or hum- humbling of themselves. Uh, so I think of Job, uh, who wore basically burlap um, in his grief. Um, but I don't. I think that's something different than than self-flagellation. Maybe related, but but different. Okay, so here's a question for you. Yeah. Completely change the subject. Yeah, yes. So, was Jesus wearing a magic cloak when he was healing the the, the, the bleeding woman? All right. Um, I don't think so. You got three versions of it. We got Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Right. Yep. And they all are ramped up in different directions. So, and there's three sort of testimonies of what happened. So, in one testimony, which I think is Luke, it's like the most sort of reactionary. You know, Jesus is going somewhere and he's about to do this whole thing where he's about to. He's about to. Uh, he's about. He's on. He's en route to something, right? Yeah. And then the lady touches the cloak, and he freaks out. He says, "Who touched my? Touch my cloak? I'm drained of my power." Yeah. And then, and uh, and then she's, and then they they figure out the woman. He goes, "Oh, you know, you're healed." Blah 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 blah. Then we get to be. It gets to be more religious and Christian as you go through the different like Mark and Matthew, right? Yeah. Yeah. So we have three versions of the same thing. And my question is, is he using magic devices? No. I'm just asking. <laughs> well, why is the cloak drained? Explain that to me. The cloak's not drained. Christ said his he felt his power drain. He didn't say How does that happen if he's God? Well, he's human he's both human and God, and he may have been exaggerating. Jesus did that from time to time. But he clearly so- felt felt uh, his healing power extend from him outward. So, okay. So I'm just saying, you know, just, I've always wondered about this one. 
So because you have three independent versions, so it's I, I'm trying to think of where it is, but you yeah. you probably know the sections, right? What's uh, so in in Luke it is uh, Luke so, eight forty three. So it's yeah it's it's eight. I'm looking this up. I do not have this memorized. Uh, Mark it's five twenty five, and then it's nine twenty in uh, in in Matthew. So, my, so all right. So let's. Let, so what happens? Let's, maybe we should start with the, maybe at the beginning. You tell me if I'm wrong. Yeah. So, so Jesus the, is the Luke account. With the disciples. Yeah. The, the Luke account says, and there was a woman who had discharge who had a discharge of blood for twelve years, and though she spent all her living on a physician on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. She came up behind him, Jesus, and touched the fringe of his garment, and immediately her discharge of blood ceased. And Jesus said, "Who was it that touched me?" When all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowds surround you and are pressing on you. So Peter's writing in office. Uh, just, you know, you're in a crowd. People are going to hit you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me, for I perceived that power has gone out from me. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him, declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him, and now she had been immediately healed. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Right. And then there's different versions, though, the two other yeah. versions uh-huh. that are not contradictory. I'm not going to say not that, but it's, it's, it's one of the few, I think, events that we have multiple versions of. Yeah. Well, there, yeah, there's a lot of overlap. Um, so is it a cloak of healing? No, it's not a cloak of healing. <laughs> I just asked. Really even even Christ said, "Your faith has made you well." Right, right. And it's not it's not the, her faith alone. Uh, if if it's, we're gonna talk if we're gonna talk it's Christian the Jesus magic. theology, yeah. it's it's the object of her faith. So she placed her 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 faith in Jesus, knowing, having confidence that he could heal her. And just by grabbing hold of his cloak, even without his attention, uh, she was healed. Okay. Not the cloak. <laughs> I was just going to ask. I, I, was, I, was bothered I know you're I was fascinated bothered. with uh, religious artifacts and memorabilia. Well, I just, you know, I, I will, I, you know the staff, I, I still feel like well, somebody should try it out. Someone should bring it, yep. bust it out. But the staff I think and see if they can spread the water. Well, something. If the Turkish you know, maybe, government will let them have it, maybe a little. Maybe a little. Maybe, right. You know, how cool would that be if the water moved on the table? Yeah, yeah. And maybe it's just it's got residual splitting abilities. Or if you if you took your coffee cup, your Turkish coffee, your cup of Turkish coffee near it, would it would it split the coffee in your cup? Or maybe that would be your the, hair. that would be a simpler simpler test. All right, so all right, moving right, so moving we, on. We, we digress. Uh, we, so, we digress. Um, Do you want to go to um, Uyghurs and China, or we, uh, Muslims yeah. and Hindus praying together? Well, Muslims. I mean, you know, the, 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 you showed me this article about Muslims and Hindus praying together, and I'm going. You know, we all know that the Indians rolled rocked into Kashmir, and uh, my Tibetan Muslim friends are very are joyous right now. Um, so there's a population in northern, more than northern Pakistan, Gilgit, Baltistan, that are Tibetan Muslims. And what, what does that mean? They're culturally Tibetan. They were Buddhists at one point. And then when that entire area was converted to Islam, they became Tibetan Muslims. Because we commonly hear about Tibetan Buddhists, but the Tibetan Muslims, I think, is a is a I'll, just to underscore, it's probably a new newish term for most Americans. Yeah, and it's a tough it's a tough lot, you know. They're they're culturally Tibetan, uh, and and that means that they have a sort of soft heart. Uh, they have very Buddhist overtones, uh, which are not they're, they're not isn't antithetical to to Islam, but the group that they are part of generally are Shia Twelvers, which is a uh, very devout and and group that believes in the fundamentals of Islam. Yeah. So we've, we've talked day. about this on the program yeah. before. Yeah. yeah. And so I think that those that that's a um, it's a tough lot. It's a tough position to be in because then you're you are um, um, part of this sort of really relaxed religious outlook, cosmological view. And then on the other side of it, you are 
trying to adhere to all these traditions, including Ashura and Matam, uh-huh. right? Uh, and and these these traditions that that tie very very uh, closely to these these these, fundam- these events that are fundamental in Shia Islam. So my one friend and 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 who's part of this who's a Tibetan Muslim was very joyous about the movement into Kashmir and you know the the the, the Indians are having citizen tests you know the paperwork yeah. that one family uses yeah uh, one member of the family uses to justify their citizenship is denied by when when another family member uses it suspension of of uh, rule of law uh, there's uh, interrogations imprisonments all kinds of other stuff going on and you know we know we may all know that the modi government is passionate about the idea of a hindu state which is uh, complete the complete opposite of of what uh what gandhi uh advocated for is the one one india concept as uh-huh. opposed to the one hindu concept uh-huh. and so um you know it's a confederation of states uh, india so uh and and the idea is uh, modi was involved in the gujarati I don't know if it's called a massacre, but in 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 attacking uh, when he was uh, in early in his career attacking Muslims and imprisoning them and and some harsh, really harsh tactics towards Muslims in Gujarat. I I don't I you know in the same respect, you know you've got a country that's sixty seventy years old, and it is it is very difficult to maintain. This confederation of states, uh, the South is generally a different religion than they're culturally in Indian, uh-huh. uh, and but you have 200 million Muslims yeah. in in India, and another 100 million or so Christians, uh, and the the I think the Modi government, uh, and I don't know if it's Modi himself to be honest with you. I know he was harsh in his past, and I know he moved into Kashmir. Uh-huh. I think that that he needs to advocate for religious communities and just and and start to get a, a larger control over his government but uh you know they're closing a church a week mm. in in India right. uh, yeah. and India's not been not been kind to Christianity as of late yeah and and the muslims they do, they they just go just short of imprisonment just short of some of these things so the picture yeah. that you're showing that article you sent me was about uh hindus and muslims praying in the same space and I think that you know they're all culturally Indian. Yeah, my my in laws would kill me if I said this. <sighs> well, but, you don't have uh, to say know, it. <laughs> yeah, you know they don't. You know, potato, they're not going to listen. Well, look, Pakistan. Most Pakistanis are were expelled from India. Okay, and 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 uh, Pakistan has a tough lot. Um, I'm not too sympathetic on Pakistan, but Pakistan has a tough lot. You have a multi-ethnic, multilingual, yeah. multicultural, multi-sectional Muslim population that was all expelled at from India. Yeah. Okay. So, right. so they're struggling to maintain this identity. Like you go, you go to Punjab, they speak Punjabi. No one knows what that language is except the Punjabis. Yeah. So, and then you have to figure out the ethnic, cultural, religious components. And, and I, you know, it's yeah. hard for me to get around, get that out of my head. I mean, uh, you know, Afghanistan, you know, I have that. <laughs> and, right. and I, and most right. people are trying to figure out that, and I can get, I can tell you about tribes, I can tell you yeah. about this, that, and the other. But the the challenge is, is that I think Pakistanis struggle with a cultural identity centered around Pakistan, and the wonder why there's so much unrest is because you have a very diverse, not the most diverse, but one a very diverse Muslim population, right. and like I said, interethnic, multicultural, and so forth. So. Well, Tibetan Muslims are part of that population. Yeah. So, but everybody has a cultural Indian ancestry. Yeah. I think I'm safe to say that. And you know, you you, you have a problem. There's a, there's a little bit of an issue when it comes to that partition and the idea of a Pakistan identity. Yeah. And uh, I I I understand that once the partition happened, you know, the the Northern Territories were invaded immediately and the pakistanis have held those territories uh and it it's it's a difficult situation now the, the indians indian government is trying to show that they're strong government go into the region and trying to lock down uh their authority but when you're suspending rule of law and you're imprisoning people and you're denying citizenship to get rid of the muslims it's like eh yeah 
you know, I, I don't know if that's that's the right way of going about it. Yeah. You know, we uh, get it. They, they hate the Muslims, but what do you want to say? Well, they're, they're not. They're, they may they may hate the Muslims, but they're certainly not crazy about Christianity. Also, well, to underscore, like this is this is a situation where both Muslims and Christians are facing persecution by the same would, government and in the same culture. And I would I would I would argue that these are probably and I'm not sure this is true, but probably the two largest Christian and Muslim populations outside of the larger Ummah. Right. Uh, so, I mean, 200 million Muslims live in India and I, I, roughly about 80, uh-huh. I don't know, 70, 80 million Christians, I think. Right. Yeah. So that's a huge but, amount of people. Both religions have been there a long time. Yeah. I don't know. What I, you know, and I don't know the origins of I mean, I know the Mughals is where some, a lot of the Muslim population comes from. Yeah. But I, I couldn't tell you where the Christians come from, but uh, I'm sure there was an evangelical involved. So <laughs> you or, bl- or, blame the evangelicals. Well, I'm pretty sure it was like the, the Portuguese or something, but yeah, I, I really yeah. don't know. The point is that uh, I think it's the Portuguese of the South, part of these yeah, old yeah. and ancient communities. But I, th- I think that there's, if you want to, I think that there's a real big opportunity to work within the largest democracy in the world to advocate for religious freedom with these, with using these two populations. And yeah. you know, there are plenty of Hindus that are persecuted too. I mean, so, they got the, the Daleks, which are the lowest class in the in the caste system yeah. uh the daleks are are persecuted as well yeah. and that's like a 300 million people right there yeah um, so so there, there are two things about this story that uh, jumped out at me uh, on the one hand any any opportunity where you have hindu in this context especially given that background where you have hindus and muslims you know in the same community cooperating with each other studying together eating together uh, like that's encouraging, uh, but something jumped out to me. Um, there's a line in the RNS story that says, "Quote: Raised an Orthodox Hindu in this city, southeast of New Delhi, Mahandan believes both Hindu mantras and Islamic rituals are conduits to the same God." Unquote. Mm. So that was confusing to me, for what's probably obvious to you, because I understand Islam to be. A monotheistic religion, and I understand Hinduism to be a polytheistic religion, and so that statement that Hindu mantras and Islamic rituals are conduits to the same God. Now, that's not a quote; it's a descriptive uh, uh, paragraph in the Religion News article. That was curious to me. Can you? Okay. Can you all right. unpack that? Do you know what they're talking about? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I all right. So I, I really don't commit a hate crime because <laughs> my have my to. pronunciation of Indian words may, might might kill somebody uh, with it. Just they're very sharp. Well, but well, well what whatever your pronunciation is, my friend, uh, it's it's going to be better than mine. So there's there's all right. So there's all right. There's param paramata paramatma, which is and I'm going to only do this once because I'm 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 closing my eyes <laughs> and trying fine. to remember. Okay, right. We're a- so asking our Hindu friends to extend grace to uh, both of us at the moment. Well, I need Jay Kansara. I need the guy from the Hindu American Foundation. I need, I need these, I need these guys. So, um, let's see. Uh, it's Paramatma, which I, is like the big self, okay, like supreme self. Then there's this. Then there's the Parameshwar, okay. which is Parameshwar, I think, which is the supreme lord. And then are like the guy, like the high, high Lord. And then there's the Param. Okay, I remember it's terrible. I remember this because it's a, it's a piece of bread. <laughs> Parampita, Parampita, I think, which is the Supreme Father. So it's okay. like, but you know, it's the three, it's the Trinity, dude. And then, <laughs> and so you have, this is terrible. All right, so it's those three things Ish. that, that. And then there's some other, there's a, there's a, there's a peppering of other concepts Okay. Um, that are, that, Ishwara, I think, and then Mahashwara, and then there's the Baha, Bahawan, and then the Purusha, and then the, there's a, a two other really long words that I can't remember. So the idea is that in the Vedas and then other scriptures, all this coalesces into this idea of Brahman, which is like one God. Okay. Right? And so, and, and that's infinite and expansive and the supreme God. And then you have all these other sort of everything comes out, come, everything sparks from that. Right. And, and I know that there's like I, the universal male, the, the, the Purusha. And then I know there's the Prakriti, which is uh, like the nature of 
matter and divine energy. So there's all kinds of stuff that comes out of this stuff and how it, it, the idea that it, there's, there's these, these teachings of worships that come out of this um, – these different features within the, within the, within Hinduism. And of course, like I said, I, I only know the, the, the broad strokes, but essentially Brahman is the one God. And okay. that, ha- that ties to these concepts that I was telling you about, about self uh-huh. Lord and father. So I, I think that's what the intent of the statement was. Uh, although, you know, I'm not going to weigh it ruff- into it what... ruffled some other feathers. Yeah. Because yeah. the idea that Hindus, like everybody wants, you know my whole, you know my shtick. My shtick is, like Abrahamic lineage is Abrahamic lineage. You guys believe in the same God we do. It's the same stories. We got that little sliver of the crucifixion. We got that little thing. But aside from that, everything's on point. Then, so, would you describe yourself as uh, theologically basically a pluralist? I'm a pluralist who happens to be Muslim. Right. You know, like, I, look, I just got yelled at by my 12 of her friends. My 12 of her friend walks in and he says, why don't you just be Christian? Why don't you just be Christian? You like Jesus so much. I go, you know, you, I, I don't appreciate when anyone devalues any of the prophets, whether it be Musa, Moses, Abraham, Abraham, it doesn't matter. Yeah. And, and here's the thing is we have a common thread with, with Hazatisa and that common thread is real it's and the active the active part in Hazrat Isa in our our both of our faiths is is a is a is a not only a bridge but it's a bond between us the priesthood is the same you know if someone converts from Islam to, to, to Christianity okay you know you want to go for it go for it if you can reconcile the crucifixion go for it you know like <laughs> great um, you know, again, a, what's... a subject that we have gone on about and we'll continue to do so. Right. So here's the question. Why, why does the, why is the cross with the Jesus on it have to be the symbol of Christianity? Why? Right. Why? why? It's, it seems very negative. Yeah. You know, so um, we talked a little bit about that before, but anyways, yeah. before we muddy the water, I just, I think when it comes to Hinduism, we're talking about, I'm not going to go down. I don't know if it's Abraham, but I do think that and I could be mistaken. They have a, like an Adam like figure. So why didn't all this stuff? It, it's 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 all like a nuanced approach and contextualization to the market. Uh-huh. You know, my whole argument with you is why that maybe maybe the Arabian Peninsula needed the needed the the, the, the the prophet because it needed to be contextualized to the market. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. You know, we just needed a little just need a little extra. You know, and then so, of course we got the split. So I don't know. What do you think? Well, I, I was curious. Um... Because Is that a decent the, explanation? A, I don't know. Well, I don't know. Uh, it's maybe, it's all true as far as you know. As far as far as I know, I'm taking your word for it. <laughs> we're gonna get we're gonna get corrective mail and tweets from uh, from people. Um, the monotheism polytheism piece was interesting to me, um, uh, and given your your pluralist uh, bent. Um, the brief study I had of, of Islam some years back, is there a sense that part of Islam has in its long arc a bend towards a pluralism or a, a universalism with respect to ultimate salvation? Is that a fair characterization or is that a nuance? Well, I mean, the whole idea that you need to know Arabic in order to pray Salat, you know, so I always say Salat out. It was supposed to be a unifying effect. Everyone learns the same language so they can communicate across borders. I mean, the, the intent behind it is very evangelical in many respects, not from a, 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 an idea of like go out and, you know, make merry and bring everybody in. But the idea that there is a, um, a multiple unifying qualities within the religion that will bring that will enlarge the ummah and appeal to the ummah. I mean, that's why do you think it's Abrahamic? It, it ties right to, to, to Judaism. It ties right to Christianity. It ties right to these things where it's very familiar, the stories, and it gives you a roadmap to the end of days. So, and that roadmap is, either, is on the Shia side, is a bloodline. And, and, and then with this, the Sunnis, it's, it's the schools of jurisprudence. So I think that there, the intent behind it was to Certainly, there's there's theological justifications for it, and is the idea that everybody comes on board. I mean, just jihad, yeah. 
the idea of jihad. It's a defensive tactic when you're being attacked and oppressed. So the perversion of that into what it is today is just is atrocious by a small group of Muslims or those who used to be Muslim who now are capitalizing on these, this terminology and, and exploiting an, an uneducated class of people um, and, and or those who are a disenfranchised. So yeah. I think that the idea of making a, a, a religion of peace that that focuses on you know love and and all the the wonderful characteristics of the previous religions that had come before us or i would even say the current religions that are an active part of islam uh, where it is whether it be christianity islam whether it be even this this statement about hinduism i mean it's the same we can't all have there can't be 17 supreme lord, supreme lords out there right and then all of a sudden we're all gonna it's going to be a battle to the death until one of us becomes, you know, there could be only one very Highlanderish, right? right? Yeah. If there's, if there's, if the Supreme Lord is there, God, Allah, whatever you want to call him, Yahweh, then it's, it's, it's like the school that I built in one of the schools that we built in, uh, in, in the Northern territories there, we had to get the war, we had to get the approval of the warlords. So yeah. we named a different, each side of it after a different warlord <laughs> and we dedicated four different times in order to get their approvals, you know? Um, so we built five schools, six schools up there, uh, primary schools, you know, K through yeah. 12. And so I, I don't know. I don't think God operates that way. I don't think Allah operates that way. I think that there's the wrathful God, which who is really not the nicest guy on the planet. And, uh, and I think we all have that, that all our traditions have the same stories, the floods and the stuff. So I think that the challenge is, is that the intent behind Islam was to unify Initially, I think the Arabian Peninsula, but it was also to create those gateways into the multi-faith universe yeah. and allow us to communicate with the same germane terminology back and forth so that we could build those bridges. The challenge is, is that we don't we don't talk along those lines. We have a tendency to talk about in the in the under the lens of al qaeda the lens of isis the lens of these things and and yeah. when i talk to you i talk to you under the lenses of the aryan brotherhood and the clan and those and so that yeah. creates the inability for us to see the similarities yeah you know i mean i don't know i don't know how anybody in kentucky understand can understand islam if they do, if no one's talking about the religion right yeah. uh appropriately yeah. i don't know was that a good answer i don't no, know no no it was a fine answer um and i appreciate it because i like I said, the the thing jumped out to me is the the uh, <clears throat> what jumped out to me was the uh, assertion that uh, Hinduism and and Muslims uh, could plausibly worship the same God, and people may uh, have differing opinions on that. Uh, but then, you know, knowing that kind of long arc of um, kind of a pluralist universalist view of Islam, I was kind of curious that maybe. Uh, maybe that that statement wasn't as far off as it as it looked initially uh, to me. When Compare, I re- compared when to I... an exclusivist uh, kind of religion like my own that believes uh, that there's only one way uh, to Christ uh, or one way to God, um, and that's through Jesus Christ, um, that makes it <clears throat> a little more difficult even uh, for those of us in our everyday lives to uh, talk to one another given that those differences uh, exist, right? So in your, in your view, the, the similarities are, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, the similarities are are kind of the meat, right? And the differences are the surface. Um, whereas I view the similarities being, between religions being more surface level and then the, uh, the, the meat of the religion being uh, more different. Well, let me, let me, let me, t- I'll tell you what, what, this is what I was taught. I was taught Abrahamic lineage. I was taught like order out of chaos was polytheism. Uh-huh. And then, and the one God concept comes to us through the Zoroastrians. The word comes to us from, uh, uh, the Israelites. Then the priesthood, imamship was restored by Hasidisa. And then the bloodline to the end of days comes from Hazrat Muhammad. That's what I was learned. That's what yeah. I learned. So, I, I, you know, and that's 
a unique way of looking at things. <laughs> you know, um, I think my, I think the, my, my, uh, my, my grandfather and, and my father would say, you know, you can jump on that train at any stage you want. You know, so you want to be, you, you know, if you want to go, if you want to be in, in the Christian camp, that's, it's still the same lineage, it's Abrahamic lineage, you're fine. Yeah. So maybe you, you're not, not ready or willing to accept the bloodline. That's fine. Okay. Now, um, but I think that shows a unity and a lineage and an understanding of the cosmological view of, of humanity mm-hmm. uh, from the beginning to the end of days. Um, I mean, if you're telling me that until evangelicals were around, were around during the bulk of, Amer- of, of, of human civilization, everybody got it wrong. Right. Like, I'm like, I'm like, how presumptuous is that? <laughs> so, you know, and you guys are relatively newcomers to the, to the planet. So, well, if, uh, yeah, it, we'll de- demarcate between kind of the modern expression of evangelicalism and, uh, what, what we would, uh, probably claim or observe as little o orthodox expressions of the Christian faith that we believe were evangelistic, if not right. wearing, wearing the ti- not wearing the title evangelical so much. Well, but let's look at it this way. Until until Asadisa shows up, Christianity essentially did not exist. Right. So so for the bulk of 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 human existence, everybody just got it wrong. Everybody was just fooling around. So I well, think we, the challenge... we believe the the Hebrew scriptures and the and the Jewish people had the re- revelation from God that was continued through Jesus. That's our that's our claim. Yeah. So, but 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 even still, that sect, that religious group, was very small. Yeah. So, so and, it's a, the challenge, and I'm not I'm not even even really asking a question. I know it kind of sounds like I'm putting you on the spot. I'm saying fine. so so everybody got it wrong. So like Mithros was you know is no good. You know that the Greek gods, eh, you know. So we got all this stuff. Yeah. Um, and and I I think that that we have a, a good amount of. Of religious and and cultural and, eth- and and ethnic traditions that have permeated into the different religious groups and religious faiths and religious traditions that we have today. I know you guys kind of cut it all out. You guys are just you know straight cross, um, big on the G- priesthood of Jesus, yeah. and you guys have sort of cut all that stuff away, which. You know, I'm not going to say it's wrong. I just going to say it's it. We have a, a very rich history that's led us sure. up to this point, whether it's your tradition or my right. tradition or anyone else's. And I think that we we rather than celebrate on the rather than focus on the nexus of our differences, yeah. We we this in this case when it comes to when it comes to Hinduism and and Islam, I think that we're if you say we're worshiping the same God, we just we do it differently. Thank. thank Thank God for saying that. Okay, you don't think of oh my God. So so here we are, and you can say, well, we shouldn't be killing each other because we are subject to the same judgment, which is you know you guys are big on that word. So uh, so there's there's a, there's a there's a consequence if we're violating whatever the the concept, the, you know, whatever the 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 um, um, whatever tradition we have to attacking our brothers and sisters who are still faithful, even though they, they may not be quite as far along as you think they should be. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah. Well, I think that. for the, for the Christian, a Christian response might be to, uh, we, we, we would acknowledge our religious differences or the, the differences in the claims of our religion. Uh, but our extension of love, uh, to, to say you and Hindus and, and other people of different faiths is rooted in our, understanding of everybody um being a creation a creation of god uh bearing his image right and so and having a role providential role Uh and so uh and and being loved by by god and so we would we would root instead of the rooting it in kind of a, a similar claim or a similar understanding of god we would root it in the similarity of creation i think um which is a helpful way uh to really, I think, awaken Christians to care about the religious other, and and you know, give a, give people a starting point for people who kind of recognize that we have we have differing theological claims, uh, but we still need to relate to one another. Yeah, I think so. I think it's a good good way to look. I mean, you and I collaborate. You know, yeah. I'm going to hell, aren't I? <laughs> well, I hope you're not, John. 
Well, Remember, we, we, we agreed on an earlier episode. <laughs> and I'm always trying to convert you. <laughs> you know, what did I say? What I was, are you trying to convert me? You said always. Always. Always, yeah. yeah. No. My, my, what was my response? You, you de- declared that a Muslim was doing, uh, Islam was doing quite well. Thank you very well, much. I, I, and I think uh, I said you were winning the competition. competition. It's not a competition, but if it is, I think we're winning. <laughs> That's right. Because we're like 1.6 <laughs> billion, and we're getting, and we're getting, we're growing. Yeah. So, um, yeah. I, I mean, I. So I think that, uh, but I think these dialogues are really important. I, I think statements like that are really important for. To, to I think somebody a lot smarter than me needs to kind of get into the weeds with that statement, and we 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 we're just going to start having guests on the show. Because I think we've got enough banter, and and yeah. and we're getting better at this. I don't know. I'm not sure that's we're true, but certainly better at uh, heckling one another. Yeah. <laughs> so and, and uh, I think that we can. We need to get a Hindu, a scholar, a religious, something, something, and a a Muslim, you know, uh, intellectual, but maybe two intellectuals to actually weed into that, you know, weigh into that statement, and then us yeah. to haze them into into taking a position um but uh we need and we also need to get a catholic and a eastern orthodox because we gotta get we gotta start talking about that schism and what happened yeah yeah because peter started the church and, and but, oh, where the church and, is split yeah and then where the the schism has healed apparently in in some relationships or it's getting or it's getting even worse in the case of ukraine right for sure. So lastly, before we go, uh, jump topics completely. Um, we've talked about the plight of Uyghur Muslims in China. Oh, my God. And how terrible that is. Um, 80 million Muslims being persecuted. Systematically. To, yes, cultural genocide. Taught that they're, they're, not, they're not able to learn a language. They're not able to learn a yeah. religion. Children are separated and brought to re-education camps. Right. And so the U.S. Senate last week... Um, at least the announcement, the press release was on September 11, but, uh, it's a bipartisan bill, uh, sponsored by Rubio and Menendez, uh, the passage of Uyghur Human Rights Policy Act S-178. Yeah. Needs to be ratified by the House and get the president's signature. John Pinna, what does this matter? Does the policy have any teeth? Well, we'll see if 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 uh, if former uh, if, if American businessman and former U.S. Navy SEAL and founder of the government services a security company Blackwater and it, who is now uh, the uh, I don't know he's the a, a CEO I think of Frontier Services which is a Chinese owned security and development firm. Uh, I don't know if anybody could 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 argue that 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 Eric Prince is not has not go, gone to the other side. I don't know how you could argue that he has not. Yeah. Uh, the brother of Betsy DeVos, the the, the assistant secretary or the secretary of, of education. And uh, I, 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 if this thing gets passed, then the first person you got to go after is this guy who's building training camps, re education camps in China. Who is capturing U.S. government logistic contracts yeah. by a Chinese firm who is uh, currently uh, conducting operations in Somalia? I, I I don't know how. To me, yeah. this would be a benchmark. Is the, the is, Bloomberg report from months ago is pretty staggering? Yeah, about the activity yeah. of a of an American businessman and uh, former Blackwater guy doing business with uh, Chinese folks who are incarcerating Uyghur Muslims. Yeah. So, you know, my, my thing is, is what's, let's see what Rubio does. You know, let's see what these guys do. If if they're, 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 they're back in this bill. The next question is, what do you do about an American that is violating international, international religious freedom? Uh, I don't know if I'm going to say law, I'm going to say international religious freedom rights. And he's yeah. an American. He's an American businessman, not working with. He's working for. He's the CEO of Frontier Services Group, which is a Chinese firm. Yeah. And so I just and is the brother of a current sitting secretary of one of our agencies. It. I just don't just don't get it. Yeah. 
And certainly he's doesn't, also, certainly doesn't look well. No, yeah, and who's also trying to drive policy at the White House and and get us embroiled in a deeper war with Iran and 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 working with the Ukrainians and all kinds of other stuff that's going on there. So I have. I, I think that that, was, that would be a good benchmark to see what happens to this guy. But yeah. I don't think anything's going to happen. So, yeah. what, do you, what do you make of this inclusion of uh, or creation of an FBI report um, related to U.S. citizens um, and folks from abroad getting government, Chinese government harassment and intimidation on American soil? Or is that too big a topic for a couple minutes? <laughs> well, I, I, think that, I think the Chinese... The, the, the Chinese, Russians, they operate differently. Um, they, there has been a, a dismantling of our U.S. intelligence apparatus. The focus has been on electronic warfare. It's been heavily militarized. Yeah. And the worst thing that's ever happened to our intelligence service is uh, – what's the movies uh, – those movies called? The, 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 the Born Identity. Right. So the challenge is – We've lost the nuance in intelligence gathering, what's called human, human intelligence. We've lost it. We're not deploying and training and culturally competent individuals and, and deploying them to the field. It's heavily militarized. I mean, it, it's all these guys that are beef walking around and you can make them right away. I mean, I remember – I remember um, I was I was from some country and we were talking about ISIS and and I, I reported out and and uh, to the U.S. government and sure enough these guys walked in there and they they were in cultural clothes speaking Dari and 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 the local languages doing their thing and you can make them a million miles away because they're all beef you know so they didn't walk right. Uh, you know, they weren't culturally – they had all the courses, all the stuff, and it was terrible. And it, it, I don't think we're deploying good intelligence services. But here's the thing. Yeah. The Russians are. Everybody is. The Russians are. The Chinese are. And they have used the – they use the uh, electronic warfare. They use their military. They use all these things as tools, yeah. as assets for their human their human intelligence. And um, – you know, you, you got to check your phone all the time. You got to download the battery app and make sure your battery's not being drained by an app that's on there erroneously. And that's yeah. how you test to see if you're being listened into. Um, there's other ways, but that's that's one of the ways. Uh, and um, so, to answer your question, I think that that these countries are emboldened. I think that they have a much more a much more robust and strong intelligence gathering out, out, out um, um, apparatus because of the militarization and the heavily um, heavily heavily uh, reliance on on electronic electronics um, and uh, warfare and so forth that we use and there hasn't been a concentration on on making sure that we have those culturally competent language speakers and people that know how to do what they do uh, in countries that can live in and in, and in, in, swim in those waters so uh -huh. i think that the, the chinese are doing it i mean the chinese the chinese got eric prince they got a former navy seal working as their ceo now maybe this maybe but here's the other side maybe eric prince is just a plant from our government maybe he's working there and he's he's gathering all this information on the chinese so think businesses the best well i'd like to think that i like to think that the guy's smarter than uh than that is a pretty smart guy who's who's never left the employ of the u.s intelligence service and right. and is is you know just being disruptive you know and 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 all kinds of other stuff you know he's got you know i'd like to think that he's maybe a patriot you know that's 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 heavily deep undercover you know that's that's uh that's doing all this stuff maybe uh, he is our our ace in the hole with the chinese um you know maybe he has he has it all figured out and maybe he's the real deal and maybe all this flack and and the 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 the, the card the, the get out of jail free card that he gets yeah. is for a reason you know so um and and that's why he's heavily embedded in these operations so maybe he is who he is you know but i have i have a feeling if he's worth 2.4 billion dollars that he's not he's not on the so, intelligence payroll <laughs> that he's not but but then again i don't know you know like i'm but i'm more than willing to say i think that the prince is is uh could be a patriot and i could just you know i'm just talking as a guy that's right outside and you know confused and disoriented with the whole the whole uh the whole uh, his whole career path but um 
I do think that his his plan for Afghanistan was outrageous, uh, though. I do think that. Yeah. But uh, and that's that's another topic for us to talk about: yeah. the failed talks with the Taliban. Well, John, so, I think we've covered enough for today. We've talked self-flagellation. We've talked uh, interreligious universalism and exclusivism and logical craziness. Yeah. We've talked about Tibetan Muslims and uh, Uyghur Muslims. Um, I think we call it a day. All right. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate you taking the time. Thank you folks for listening to Crossing Phase. We are available at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Overcast, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and tune in wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Please take the time to uh, rate and review us, especially in the iTunes store. We'd greatly appreciate it. And uh, hit us up on Twitter at MTHawk or at JT Penna. This is at Crossing Phase. This has been Crossing Phase with John Pinnett and Matt Hawkins, a podcast of Roll Top Productions. Music for this episode is provided by Vajra, whose music is available at thevajratemple.com, Spotify, iTunes, and Amazon. Show notes and other information is available at crossingfaiths.com.